It's not always easy to find the positive. You might even need to search for happiness. Sometimes, just a little inspiration can make the difference. Here, it comes from unexpected places. Welcome to the Tangential Inspiration Podcast. We were discouraged with all the negativity in the world and decided to focus on finding some good out there. Welcome to the Tangential Inspiration Podcast with me, Teresa. And me, Amy. We're two ordinary moms looking for inspiration wherever we can find it. Episode 80. I know, I can't believe it. I know, here we are. Um, last week, my mom came and volunteered. Mm-hmm. Now that COVID's you know, so nice. allowing volunteers back, I work at a retirement facility, and she came in and crafted with oh, the residents. It was oh. adorable. And how crafting brings people together. It does, yeah. I wanted to do an upcycled thing because of Earth Day, and so we made these little sunflowers for Ukraine. Oh. I mean, for their doors, but to honor people in Ukraine. That's so awesome. Yeah. It must, so have, been, it must have been a crafting week. I Lucy exploded on our kitchen <laughs> table. She had to get some art done for school. For her project. For her yeah. project. She had to do six paintings oh, over wow. the weekend. Did she finish? She, she was like blow drying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she gets the next layer on. But I was She's so, my kind of crafter. Yeah, she pushes it to the end. Yes, and yes. I was so glad to get my kitchen back today. Yes. Nice. Oh my gosh, before I forget, I was going through this great book, When Dogs Heal. Oh. You know, I talked about Dr. Fauci a few weeks ago. Yeah. Um, these are powerful stories of people living with HIV and the dogs that saved them. And, oh... My goodness, I just was like getting teary-eyed with, and it isn't just for people with HIV, as you know, with Fritz. Dogs are just, pets in general, are just so loyal and loving and sweet. And these stories in this book are just... I'll have to borrow that. Yeah, so inspiring. Um, So I think everybody should check that out. I'm always reading short segments in People Magazine. <laughs> you have Today Show. I have People Magazine, which I, I heard that Jenna Bush is leaving. Oh, I didn't even know that. I've been watching it. I've been kind of not so good okay. the last couple weeks. Okay. Jenna's going. I just saw I that online. And she has, she loves her books. That's oh, really okay. sad. But okay, so, I'll have anyway. to look into that. Anyways. I have my People Magazine, even though I don't know the majority of the celebrities in there. But they're often about famous people I've never even heard of. And I'm not quite interested enough to do full-on research. Right, yeah. But I get that. Yeah, they're still doing great things and deserve a shout-out for sure. So I thought I'd just combine several of these together. Oh, fun. That's to fun. Share. And basketball playoffs are huge right now. Right. Apparently, I heard on the radio, along with the Jenna, uh, Jenna Bush thing. The season has been over for the Portland Trailblazers a while ago, but... I loved this story about an NBA star pledging his entire annual salary to charity. Oh, wow. Bismack Biomba plays center for the Phoenix Suns and credits his dad for pushing him to be better at everything. Last August, he lost his father, sadly, Francois Biomba, and he passed away at 61. Aww. Biomba announced in March that he's going to donate $1.3 million, that's his salary, to build a hospital in their home country of the Democratic Republic of Congo. The hospital will be named after his father, and they'll break ground this summer. Oh, that's so cool. He said that's that he awesome. just wants to save as many lives as possible. So I just... Oh, what a good heart. I love that, yes. 
Another one, and this is another woman I have never heard of, Sine Lathane, I'm probably mispronouncing her name. She's an actress, and she also serves as a global ambassador for International Medical Corps, a first responder nonprofit group. The IMC goes to the front lines and provides emergency medical and mental health care. In 2017, Lathane visited Puerto Rico after hurricanes Irma, and Maria, and she went door-to-door delivering hygiene kits and medication. Oh, wow. International Medical Corps helped during Ebola outbreaks in West Africa. They helped COVID prevention in Haiti, and now they're helping in Syria to support Ukrainian refugees from Poland. I just love that she's not only giving her name to the cause, but she also tries to get out and actually help, too. Great. That's so awesome. Finally... Oscar De La Hoya. You know, I hate fighting. I'm not sure why boxing is still even a thing. (laughs) It's horrid. Tangent, I know. But De La Hoya was training for his first fight in 13 years when he contracted COVID-19. And he was hospitalized. He was in great shape. He had been vaccinated. So it came as a complete and total shock. It reminded him how important health is. You know, with everything. De La Hoya grew up in East Los Angeles and remembers how much the city's meal service meant for families in need. He decided to volunteer after his recovery for his 49th birthday, making food for others. Oh. Project Angel Food, which I, I love that. Name. I love that name. name. I know. Is an LA-based nonprofit that prepares and delivers meals to men, women, and children affected by severe illnesses. It started in 1989, and they have provided more than 14 million meals. Wow. The project offers help for families who might not be able to leave the house or cook for themselves due to a health condition. Project Angel Food, which I just, I want to start up here. Yeah. Shows that there are still people out there who care, which I just love to hear. Simple ways to help that might not seem like much, but when combined together, they make a huge difference in someone's world. Oh, for sure. So Amy and I are always (laughs) begging, asking people for ideas to learn, you know, suggestions for people that others find inspiring. Things we haven't necessarily considered. Yeah. Thinking outside of the box. Right. In that request, my mother-in-law said that we should talk about Jane Goodall. And honestly, Jane Goodall had been on my list, you know, last year. Yeah, for 2021. Right. For Earth Day, I wanted to celebrate her. But I decided that everyone knows about Jane Goodall. And there are countless books, articles, shows. Add to that that I just didn't feel worthy <laughs> of talking about this icon. Oh. And still... As I talk about her day, today, I don't feel like I am worthy, but after picking up a book called The Jane Effect, I decided that I had to learn more about oh, this woman. that's a cool name. I know. The book was compiled to celebrate Jane's 80th birthday on April 3rd, 2014. It was actually called The Jane Effect Celebrating Jane Goodall, and it included 100 testimonies from people that have been impacted by Jane Goodall. That's so awesome. I mean, to Things, think that about that, that that many people... That's a lot, you know. And that's just what they included in the book. So who knows how many more. But she's accomplished so much so far, including, this was on the back of the book, she's blazed new trails, rallied people to causes for saving wild animals in wild places, partnered in great causes of helping animals, curbing human cause cruelty, and leaving places for animals to live in peace and safety. 
championed chimpanzees for over 50 years. Oh, that's a... Taught that there is no higher calling than being an advocate for those who lack voices. Love that. Yes. Shown what it means to stay whole and connected to animals. Been a superb scientist and genuine hero in a crowded world. Demonstrated that it's possible to embed oneself in the social world of other species. Been one of the most influential spokespersons for animals in history. And that's just the list from the back of this book. Wow, so that's like a summary. Yes, exactly. So you can see why I might be slightly intimidated to talk about the Jane Goodall. (laughs) But this book made me decide that I really needed to chat a bit about her. We're always talking about that ripple effect. And this book definitely demonstrated just how many people she's touched, inspiring those out there as she continues to touch others, working to make the world a kinder, more peaceful place. So in a lot of ways, her version of Mr. Rogers. Right, yeah. I took the book with me when I was getting my hair done, and my hair lady asked, who was Jane Goodall? Now, she's not young by any means, and it only sealed my decision. Everyone should know about Jane Goodall because we all can learn from her. Yes, she's been an animal advocate for pretty much her whole life. But in addition to that, she promotes peace and compassion, which I so admire. She's predominantly advocated for chimpanzees after spending so much time with them in the wild back in the 60s. But I think the thing that has me most inspired with Jane Goodall is her message of hope, which is timeless. Apparently, Jane always loved animals. I loved reading the stories of her childhood. They were very different from my own. (laughs) I don't like creepy crawly things, but Jane Goodall was quite the opposite. She collected a dozen or so earthworms and had them in her bed one night when she was like 18 months old. Oh, wow. And I'm sure that she... That sounds like my youngest, Ellie. She loved... And she was little, too. She she would t- collect things. And remember, she was so worried, like she'd ha- worried about touching them, that she put hand sanitizer <laughs> oh, on. No. And then she'd be touching that poor little bug, like, and we're like, oh, the skin is coming off. Oh, no. And it's all an innocence. It's all an innocence and good yeah. and love, but whoa, okay. So I think she had all these, these earthworms under her pillow. Oh, my goodness. And I'm sure she... She thought they'd be fun little pets, and she was taking. She thought she was taking good care of them. But thank goodness her mother noticed them under a pillow and talked Jane into taking them back out into Aww. the yard that they'd be happier out <laughs> in the earth. Yeah. <laughs> so she talked of a time where they had taken a holiday to Cornwall and they headed to the sea, and she collected a bunch of sand dollars, not realizing there was something living inside Aww. them. She left the bucket of sand dollars in her room, and when she came back to her room, they were crawling all over the place. Her mother explained that something was living inside them, and Jane just said they had to go back to the sea. She gathered them all up and made them go back and return them back to the sea. So sweet. Yeah. Another story from her childhood didn't have the same whimsy, but it definitely was a lesson that stuck with Jane. She remembers an older boy pulling the legs off of a live crab, torturing it. She cried for the crab, but was too scared to say anything. And we've all been there. Oh, yeah. So she was probably scared for a good reason, because the kid was older, bigger than her. Still, the memory stayed with her and prompted her to never remain quiet again when she witnesses mistreatment of humans or animals. This totally reminds me of my oldest. One time we were camping, and and he saw these kids not being nice to little critters out on the river. And and he's letting them know 
And I at, I was a little embarrassed, but at the same time, very proud of him right. for Saying sticking up for the critters. Yeah. yeah. Being an advocate for the critters. It's interesting that her father gave her a stuffed chimpanzee named Jubilee. Oh. When she was about a year and a half. And it was after the birth of the first chimp in captivity at the London Zoo. Oh. Family friends thought it was horrible. They were sure that the overstuffed toy would frighten young Jane, but quite the opposite. She loved the guy. Her family didn't have a lot of money, and she said they watched their pennies, which made an ice cream cone, a trip to the movie theater, or a train ride extra special and particularly memorable. Her family couldn't afford a car or even a bicycle, she said. Lack of money didn't put a damper on her childhood. It just meant they had to get creative. Jane and her younger sister, Judy, who I guess was four years younger to the date, which is pretty interesting. Yeah. They had pet caterpillars in the yard. They put them under a (gasps) box with a little glass lid. These are some creative girls. Yeah, for sure. With a little glass lid, and they'd let them snack on dandelions, and then they'd move them to a new spot. Oh. They'd travel in the yard, which I just think is... Adorable. Yeah, super imaginative. Her grandfather was a congregational minister, which I looked up. That's like a Protestant Calvinistic. Okay. So she was raised with a Christian background. It was never rammed down her throat, but her mother definitely taught her that God helps those who help themselves, which I love. Yeah. Because that's true. Early on, her family stressed the importance of human values, such as courage, honesty, compassion, and tolerance. Thank goodness her mother encouraged Jane's natural fascination with animals of all sorts. Because think of the time. Right, yeah. Girls were expected to be feminine and cute. So sure. I especially appreciate Van. That was her mom's name, which is adorable in that itself. That is too, yeah. She was supportive since she'd have to accompany Jane to Gombe because women were not allowed to travel to Gombe alone. Gombe, wow. Gombe, I'm not sure where it is. Tanzania. Wow. Talk about supporting your child. Yeah. I also appreciate that her mom set a good example for her. Jane remembers Van helping prepare 2,000 meals for refugees lodged temporarily in a warehouse in Kagoma Port. They'd make spam sandwiches and wrap them up in damp cloths oh. to pass out. So some things never change. Yeah. I just Mom's always stepping I in. Know, I know, and I just love that, yeah. that she was setting such a good example for Jane to think of people in need. Right. And thinking of a bigger picture, too. I exactly. Just, you know. Exactly. Jane worked hard, obviously, but she also thinks there was some sort of divine plan to have her stars align so perfectly. It was magical for her to be invited by Dr. Lois Leakey to study the chimpanzees in 1957, But from Leakey's perspective, she was perfect. She wasn't in a hurry to get married. She wanted to travel and loved, actually thrived in nature. She would say that she could feel the presence of God within when she was out in nature. I I just... I agree with that. I I mean, when you're out hiking, you see just the beauty. Exactly. And I just, I love that. I remember running with a girl one time who had gone to a Christian college and yet found herself doing lawn runs on Sunday mornings instead of church. She explained to me that she felt closest to God out there on those trails, enjoying his beauty instead of in a building built by humans. I think Jane felt the same way in the forests of Africa. In that book, she even talks about hiking on Mount Hood. Oh, And exploring our old growth in Oregon, which I think. That's so cool. I know. I love that. 
I can't even fathom the patience this woman must have to sit and just watch the trees, the bugs, and everything around you for hours on end, just hoping that a chimp would come through. She'd wake up, she'd have breakfast, then pack up some raisins to eat while she was watching and head out for the day. It's because of her patience that we have a better understanding of chimpanzees, how they're unique, just like humans, and how they certainly understand and feel a lot more than we ever gave them credit for. Her breakthrough was... David Greybeard. That's a chimp. Okay. <laughs> it doesn't sound I'm like, like I'm not familiar with him. <laughs> yeah. He's a chimp. After hours and hours and hours of observing, Jane decided to offer David Greybeard a nut. Approaching Jane, he took the nut and promptly dropped it, grabbed her hand instead as a sign of affection. Aww. So all the feels. She, yeah. with the chimps, realized that they eat meat and they, they make tools. They're, they're smart little critters. She said there were times that David Greybeard was waiting for her to follow him, going oh. ahead a little bit, looking back to give Jane enough time to catch up. Wow. I know. I just, sweet, sweet, sweet. There's so much to cover with her experience that I can only scratch the surface. Sadly, it wasn't all sweet times like that moment with David Greybeard. She witnessed some horrible behavior among the chimps, too. They were territorial, which is interesting, at times cruel to each other, even killing babies, sometimes partaking in cannibalism. I'm always amazed that these scientists and nature photographers can just observe and document nature. They have a different mind and heart i guess for that you know they watch the good and the bad that observatory yeah i would make it is in their dna make a horrible photographer and for sure an even worse scientist because i would want to step in jane would eventually earn the credentials she went to cambridge got her phd she proved she was a legit scientist she had students travel to africa and continue studying with the chimps and she married Became a mom. I don't really consider her life a glamorous one, but it might appear from the outside that the stars were perfectly aligned for Jane Goodall. Many things seem to just fall into place. However, that doesn't mean that she didn't have her fair share of hardship. Between the years of 1974 and 1977, she said they were the darkest in Gombe history. She had some students kidnapped, which became an international nightmare to say the least. There was inter-community attacks among the chimps. They were at a high rate of participating in cannibalism. She lost Danny, her grandmother. She was going through a divorce. Oh, my gosh. Some colleagues questioned her findings, and other scientists wanted to play down the aggression she witnessed. So they questioned her findings because she would feed the chimps bananas or, or whatnot. And so I think people were critical Yeah, and just... Not on her side, I guess. In the 1970s, it was her first experience with the politics of science at a time that the country was big into the whole nature versus nurture thing, particularly after there was a book called The Selfish Gene that was published in 1976, Examining Our Behaviors. When Jane was working at Stanford, there was a psychiatrist there at the same time named Robert Bindora. He demonstrated how small children mimicked the behavior they saw in adults in his studies with a lean towards negative behaviors. Jane begged him to provide a study where children witnessed kisses, hugs, and affections, which I love. But she was ignored. 
Jane noticed that for the most part, chimps abided by her grandmother's favorite, she called it text. <laughs> oh. But I think that's their word. You know, she's um, from the UK. Right. Their word for a verse. Okay. She yeah. noted that the chimps seldom let, seldom let the sun go down on their wrath. Oh. So while they might have shown aggressive behavior at times, she was impressed that they were able to remedy it before they called it a day. Just like go to bed with without a fight or... Exactly. You know, yeah. Which I Make love. It gave her hope that if chimps can do it, so can humans. And I'm so grateful that Jane Goodall has that hope because it's what keeps her going, changing the world. And I just love the stories that oh, she yeah. shares along the way. She remembers the horrors of World War II. And shared a story of a Japanese consul named Shwen Sukera, who was in direct defiance of his superiors in Tokyo. He wrote visas to help people escape from Russia into Kurako. He, the, he was trained as a samurai, meaning he had been taught to help those in need. So he said, I may have to disobey my government, but if I don't, I would be disobeying my God. Reminds me so much of what's going on right, right now in the wow. Ukraine. So he helped save 8,000 Lithuanian Jews. Wow. He helped them escape. And though he was fired and died without honor Aww. and in financial ruins, I'd still say he made the right choice. For by sure. Birth. Oh, my gosh. Jane pointed out that we, as humans, we tend to gang up on each other. We torture each other with words and deeds. We fight. We kill. Yeah, we're still also capable of the most generous and heroic acts. And I think she's absolutely right. For sure. She said, our brains are sufficiently sophisticated. It's a question of whether or not we really want to control our instincts. She talked about a 12-year-old African-American boy from San Francisco attending a youth summit in Colorado. You can imagine how excited he was to see snow. (laughs) I mean, they don't have snow. That's right, yeah. Very often where he lived. So he made this snowball, and he placed it on his head. Pretty soon, this younger white girl from the suburbs walks up to him, pushes it off, and obviously, you know, it shatters on the ground. The young boy, Winston, wanted to hit the girl for breaking it, but instead just asked her why she would do that. Her name was Virginia, and she replied that she didn't know why she did it. So together, they picked up the snow and repaired it. Oh, that's so cool. I know. I just, I love that. And it's just one of her examples of hope for our next generation. Yeah. There was a guy named John Stocking who worked on a tuna boat. This guy would totally be, (laughs) totally be me. One day he heard a baby dolphin crying for its mother as it was stuck in the net. And the mother was on the other side, unable to save, you know, the poor dolphin. John jumps into the water. It's boiling hot from the thrashing of the tuna and the sharks and the dolphins all trapped in the net. He lifts up the dolphin, returns it to his mother, and then he grabs his knife. He cuts the net, and he releases the animals. So he's obviously fired. He didn't have a fancy degree. He didn't have money. But he started a business. And Jane refers to him as Chocolate John. Since he now sells... Endangered species bars. That's cool. They're chocolate. I know. I, I need to look we this gotta up. We got to look that up. That looks And they sounds might good. be in New Seasons because I know that it's times I've seen a New Seasons endangered bars, but I'm okay. not sure it's the same thing. To, but now yeah. we need to look it up. So he sells endangered species bars. They're chocolate bars that are labeled with a variety of endangered animals 
and 11.7% oh. go to different yeah. animal causes. I think I've seen something I think, like that. I think I have too. I'll have to look next time. So, super cool. Those are just a few stories that remind us there is still good out there. If we can't find it, we got to be it. Yeah. I admire her patience with animals as well as her patience with humans. Jane wrote that anyone trying to improve the lives of animals would be criticized. Her list of critics is long, which is sad. I only see Jane Goodall with extreme admiration. So to hear that so many people take issue with her somewhat surprised me. But her opponents seem to find her and, you know, give her grief from taxi drivers, bellhops, preachers, scientists. Some people she seems to reach in her soft-spoken manner. Others are still trying to figure things out. But I appreciate that she's pushing us to think. Yeah. And especially impressive that she's doing it with such love, respect, and patience. I just... That's... Yeah. That's admirable for sure. For sure. There was a cab driver who gave her, (laughs) speaking of grief, serious grief for caring about animals over humans. He said his sister was part of this group who had the same opinion. Oh, no. Instead of taking a nap, she had planned to take a nap to the airport. It was like an hour drive. She ended up in the center part of the console talking to the cab driver, explaining that she wanted to help animals be treated fairly and with compassion. She said everyone else was making sure people, you know, weren't forgotten. Right. But she wanted to speak for the animals. She didn't think she had made any sort of impact on the cab driver. He was equally just as grouchy when she left as when she came. (laughs) So um, she gave him a hefty tip. And asked him to give the balance of it to his sister for her organization that he had talked about. Not thinking that anything would transpire. Right. But apparently, even that little one-hour exchange made a difference. She got a thank you note from the sister, not only expressing her gratitude for Jane's donation to the cause, but she thanked Jane for giving her brother a new perspective. Oh, that's so cool. I know. That's awesome. So apparently, she had made an impact, even though... It didn't seem, yeah. yeah, It didn't seem like she had at the time. She didn't think she had reached him a bit. She thought he was still calloused. So I, I love that. You never know. know. No. She was in in an elevator one time when a bellhop seemed to be conflicted. He was clearly religious and felt it was wrong to believe in evolution. He had read everything Jane Goodall wrote. And watched her programs, but it still bothered him with his, you know, religious roots. Jane reminded him that she didn't feel like the two were exclusive. She was saying, you know, we didn't come from monkeys. She was only pointing out that we evolve. She said she might consider the creation story as a parable in our understanding what seven days was. Right. She didn't think it was literally seven days, as the Bible says, but that... Humans noted it as seven days. I think the bellhop was relieved after his talk with Jane Goodall, seeing she wasn't anti-religion. She wasn't anti-God. She just was looking for the truth. Yeah. Probably the best example of her patience she shared was the day while she was on tour in America. Her friends had surprised her with a little birthday luncheon. The hostess at this restaurant approached her and said that there was an angry woman who was a member of People for Animal Experimentation who wanted to talk with Jane. There's always some cause. Wow. Her daughter had a heart problem and was alive because of some testing on dogs. 
So the hostess was right in warning Jane. The mom approached her and created quite a scene. Jane's friends were embarrassed with the whole situation. I know I would not have handled it as well as yeah. Jane at all. Oh my gosh, I don't know. I probably would have gone on the attack. The woman viciously attacked her, but she took the whole attack in stride and then explained to the woman that she was happy her daughter was alive. Yeah. And that her mother too was alive because of an animal. Van, that's her mother, okay. had a heart valve from a commercially slaughtered pig. And Jane explained that she loved pigs. And she was grateful to the pig who saved her mother's oh, life. Yeah. How sweet is that? Yeah. She pointed out that her goal was to improve the conditions for animals and to look for other alternatives when possible. The angry mother was speechless and her face softened. She said she had never... Had anyone put it to her that way before? So the bitterness melted, and she was able to tell Jane that she'd pass that along to her group. That's really impressive. I know. know. On both sides. Yeah. I have no idea what I would have done in this situation. I'm only certain (laughs) that I wouldn't have behaved with half of the grace or kindness that Jane Goodall showed that day. At one point in the 80s, she had a meeting with the NIH to discuss the treatment of the chimps in their studies. And I thought this was so interesting. Yeah, I was thinking. Uh, Because I just covered Dr. Fauci. She knew they were being used for HIV and AIDS research and had heard of the horrible conditions that they were under with that research. She wanted to work with them to improve the lives of these poor little critters in the cages. And the NIH canceled their meeting. I guess they didn't want to deal with Jane Goodall. But it was interesting to read that after, you know, after I had just read about Dr. Fauci leading the research to fight AIDS, it reminded me that we're all coming to the table with different histories. Yeah, Yeah, different perspectives, absolutely. Different motives and very different opinions. I admire and respect both of these scientists for sure, even though they're very different. It reminds me that I need to think less about right and wrong and more about seeking the truth, following my north and listening to my heart. Oh, yeah. We all have our own truths, as we should. The real wrong, I think, is not listening to that and not being open to discussion. Yeah. So we can't ignore the cries for help. Like Jane, when she remembers that little boy pulling off legs Mm -hmm. of that life crab. For Jane Goodall, she hears the cries of the animals in our planet. For others, they hear the cries of hungry children. Others hear the cry of veterans with post-traumatic stress disorder. We have so many hurts in this world, it for sure can seem overwhelming and completely hopeless. Jane noted that with the overwhelming feeling and hopelessness, we can develop a just meism, wow. which I love. Yes. I mean, I hate, but I love. Yeah. It's a love-hate thing. Thinking we can't do much because it's just me. Right. How does one person make a difference? Turning off the water as they brush their teeth or limiting their meat consumption. When you look at it that way, it does seem like a waste. And if everyone thought that way, it would be true. But we must remember the power of many. It reminds me of our our morning at Solve. Yeah. When that guy said um, that it's like when you get your hair cut often and if, right. that um, when just a lot of people come, then it helps keep it picked up. Right. If more of us just do little things, the effects are huge. 
Jane pointed out that it's easy to shrug off responsibility, to blame businesses, to blame politicians. However, we're the consumers. We control what we buy or what we don't buy. Our power collectively can change the ethics of business. Don't just blame the politicians. Take the time to read up on issues. And she said, vote. Oh, yes. Yeah. Everyone must come together to make this world a better place for our kids and for their children. If we ignore the cries, we'll be plagued by the guilt, which just, I will always remember that little crab that she was talking about. To say I barely scratched the surface with Jane Goodall would be an understatement for sure. I learned a ton from the two books I read, but there's so much more out there to learn. I saw her on a TV the other night when I was in Costco. She must have some new program she's promoting. Oh, wow. I know she has Roots and Shoots, which is great for kids. Okay. I I don't know what this new program is, but this woman, she's just a selfless energizer bunny. She's going nonstop. She's always working for something, and her money goes to her foundations to better the planet instead of fancy material items. When she was talking to that bellhop who questioned evolution, she asked him what mattered. Are we going to go on destroying God's creation, fighting each other, hurting other creatures, and the planet? She said that ordinary people like you and me must become saints, or at least many saints, <laughs> to take care of this beautiful place, which I am like, That's a great yes! way to put it. I know. I love Jane Goodall wants to see a return to the fundamental values from her upbringing. Honesty, self-discipline, courage, respect for life, courtesy, compassion, and tolerance. The chimps taught her decades ago the importance of early experiences. They were good role models and how important that is in early life. She said, what can we do? There's a lot we can do. Each and every one of us just by trying to make the world around us a better place. It can be very simple. We can make a sad or lonely person smile. We can make a miserable dog wag his tail or a cat purr. We can give water to a wilting plant. We cannot solve all the problems of the world, but we can often do something about the problems under our noses. We can't save all the starving children and beggars of Africa or Asia, But what about the street children, the homeless, the aged in our hometown? I love that question. That's a really... I know. She's right. There's too much for just one person to do. And if you think of it, it just makes you feel defeated. We start small and just do little things to make everyone around us a little happier. They carry that on and the impact would be enormous. Starts with just one person making a decision to do something small. Jane Goodall has done this time and time again. And what a difference this meek little woman has made. Each one of us matters, has a role to play, and makes a difference. Each one of us must take responsibility for our own lives and above all, show respect and love for living things around us especially each other. Jane Goodall. I was at one of my favorite grocery stores, New Seasons. <laughs> I was <gonna> say. <laughs> I was looking at the gift section. I found this book, Mending Life, a handbook Ooh. for repairing clothes and hearts. I got a peek at that. And I just, talking. I love the title. You know, I'm kind of have a thing for crafting. Yeah. 
And we tra- chatted about Sutton Foster in episode Well, I mean, 55. you have a thing for crafting with other people crafting. I, like me too. I'm, I'm like the armchair <laughs> person. And my, my interest, yeah, stems from my family. I mean, mm-hmm. I've got men and women mm-hmm. who knit, sew, and needlepoint. A f- few weekends back, I was down visiting my sister Kathy in Dallas for her daughter Katie's wedding. We were in her needlepoint room, and I was helping her organize <laughs> needlepoint room. Threads. Ellie was on the floor. Beads. And we're chatting. And I looked. Her, I mean, I looked around. I was pretty amazed at all our projects. You know, there's some here, and there's some in this closet. And I'm like, how many do you have ongoing? She said, two hundred. What? So she oh carries around. And literally, when I was with her all weekend, we'd go get the hair done, whatever. She had a needlepoint project with her. You know, so she'd pick it up. And she would stitch for a minute here and there. So she's a doctor. How is she? I know. I mean, I I just admire no, her patience. Yeah. No, she, that's... she does beautiful work. I and I admire. How her from does she afar. do it? That's what I'm wondering. I think it's because she does this on, thing on the fly. But so I think that's why this book interested me because it's written by two sisters, Nina and Sonia Montegro. Um, I love the opening page, which states, "A mended garment is a little piece of artwork that you wear all around all day." on display like a living gallery wall, eliciting comments, starting conversations, and opening the sentence to a good story. These two sisters wrote this book as an invitation to rekindle, as they say, an age-old practice, mending. The cool thing about mending, not only does it repair a treasured garment, it's more cost-effective than going out and buying a new item, and it's better for the environment. Way better for the environment. Yeah, for sure. Plus, as Nina and Sonia point out, it tells a story. Mending is an act of restoration, and it's meditative, and it can even be healing. Oh, I love that. For Nina and Sonia, this is also part of their family legacy. Growing up, Sunday afternoons were spent collecting their clothes that needed repair and going to their grandparents' house for m- mending and Sunday <laughs> dinner. While their grandmother would have like a yummy casserole in the oven, the girls would sit next to her while she lovingly mended their, co- their garments. Now, years later, Nina and Sonia are repairing their own clothes and bringing new life to them. Like my sister's needlepoint, mending is portable, and you can bring it on the go. Mm -hmm. Beyond mending your own garments, it's a nice gesture to offer to friends. I was just reading, too, to Goldie Hawn, that that's, you know, when she's just kind of trying to deal with stress, she knits. Yeah, maybe it's something with the hands and just distracting you. Right. And just bringing peace but yeah made me want to learn how to knit um the other cool thing these two sisters are hosting a mending circle every couple of months which is a great great way to build a community they have a the book is darling and i love the illustrations it's filled with helpful tips they have an essential supply list and go over like fabric choices and basic sewing skills like threading a needle and show examples of um, different stitches I just love these two sisters' hearts and their mission to rekindle the art of mending, which is an awesome way to repair clothing, build community, and maybe save the planet one <laughs> garment at a time. I know that's I cheesy. That. <laughs> it's true, though. It's true. I mean, you know. Exactly. If you look back through human history, you find that every evil regime is eventually overcome by good. Mahatma Gandhi. Thanks for listening to Tangential Inspiration. We really want to hear from you. Email us your comments or story suggestions at tangentialinspiration at gmail.com or leave a comment on our website 
tangentialinspiration.com. Our website has all our podcast episodes, show notes, stories, follow-ups, and links to websites and books we talk about. Like and subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app, and you can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Have a great week.